Howdy, folks. Happy. Oh, we just lost. <laughs> we had Peter for like three seconds. Dropped off. We'll get him back. Uh, happy Monday. Happy uh, Family Day in Canada. Happy uh, President's Day in uh, in the States. We lost you there for a sec, Peter. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> um, Bruce, start us off with the pre-show. Yeah, so I think today, actually, odds came out for uh, Major League Baseball teams. And there's over and under for wins. So I'll tell you, I asked everybody to pick like an over and an under. So my under is the Astros, 97 and a half. With the amount of turmoil they are going to be under, they are not getting to 97 or 98 wins this year. I don't care how good the guys have looked in the past. Yeah. This is going to affect them. So that's yeah. step one team. My over, my surprise, is the San Diego Padres. Last year, the number is 84 and a half. Last year, they were at 82. Even though their pitching isn't perfect, their lineup is unbelievable. And their pitching might be good enough to get them that many wins. So I'm going with that. I'll tell you who my two pushes are because I know people will wonder. I have the, the Mets as a push at 86 and a half and the Phillies as a push for 85 and a half. But that's where I'm at. What did the Mets get? What were the Mets at? What if I said 86 and a half? Last year, they had the Phillies are 85 and a half, right? And Phillies are 85 and a half and last year. That's right. not right. That's not fair unless they, add, unless they add during the season. I don't okay. know. I think I would go over on the Mets if it's 86 and a half. What's, uh, what, is it, what are the Yankees? Whatever it is, if it's, unless it's 100. Point something, right? Over 100 points. Over, baby. Over, baby. And, and I, I, what's the over under on bean balls to Jose Altuve? Because I, I think that whatever it is, I'm taking. I'm going over. under now because I have a feeling the suspensions are going to be rolling in. Yeah, right but I, I, again, I'll, I'll send up somebody from AAA, let him get suspended, yes. and all my players will chip in and pay for his suspension and his salary. Oh, you can only imagine the pots, like the yes. the ice cream buckets of hundreds yeah. just floating around the locker rooms right now. Like fine collection, everyone chip Absolutely. in. You know, all the all the poker pots are just going to go to pay the fines, right? It'll be it'll be more it'll be more than the than the bounty money that Ron Wilson put up for the Leafs when they went to San Jose a few years ago, and then he got in trouble because somebody actually mentioned it. I think he actually he mentioned it, but then he, it was on the bulletin board, and he said, "Here, I'll pay this guy." And then you know he got in trouble for yeah. it. Yeah. That's that's not the money on the board you want anybody to see. No. <laughs> no. And, and what were your two? I'm going to go the opposite of you when it comes to the Astros. I think they're going to have a slight over, maybe about okay. 98 to 99 wins. The problem is that division is not strong, and I think they're still going to lap up against most of those teams. The Angels don't have the pitching, um, not enough pitching. Oakland maybe challenges them, but I, I think don't Oakland think will challenge It's the team that challenges them. Unless Texas surprises, the division's too weak. I think the Astros get to 98 wins, 98 to 99 wins, and squeak and, and Matt, maybe not squeak, but get them by four or five games. They won't win by the amount they've won in the past, but yeah. I, they're, I, they're my over it, just over that number. I mean, I'll give one more under. Tipped by the Yankees briefly, but I think the Astros in this case. Now, the under I have uh -huh. is the Cubs. Yeah. I have the Cubs. Uh, they are 88. I have them around 85 yeah. wins. They're around the same as the Phillies, unless yeah. the Davis Ross effect is a lot more than we think. They lost the pitching. Um, so, in my opinion, the Cubs are my under. Yeah. Not by pun, but they're an under. And if they trade Bryant, uh, that'll make it exactly. I'm counting yeah, that'll, that'll the other one. The yeah. other one that I'm definitely would go under on would be the Braves at 97 because everybody in the division's oh, got 97? 90, 90, 90, no, 90.5. 90. 90. Oh, 90. Was it? 
They're ninety point five. Oh, ninety point five. Uh, more like it. I would go over on. The, I would go over with the. With, with the I don't know if I would go over. I think there's a lot of parity. Like ninety one, ninety two. That's the same thing like with the Astros. I'd be like one or two. I bet. Yeah, but there's a lot of parity in the East. I don't know if I go over. What are the What are the Red Sox? Are you always? They had ninety seven last year. Ninety three point five, Mike. Okay. I'm sorry. Ninety three I'm betting under. Oh, I'm betting the under on that one. Yeah, that's a cluster F. All right. Yep. Uh, Eck, well, I know you're not interested in the baseball stuff. There you go. What are we talking about? That's uh that's the sport that's played by Americans um who uh in the summer when they have nothing else and, to do. And a lot of Hispanics from Venezuela, Panama, Dominican, yeah. I love baseball when there's nothing to do and when you absolutely have like you know you're sitting around and, and you know it's a great to have a baseball game on the background, so don't get me wrong. I played baseball. I was on the uh Atlantic Little League all-star team that went pretty far um in at Cherry Hill, New Jersey. That's pretty good. But uh, right. I want to say, uh, Peter Tessier and Anthony, way to have it. Nice to see you guys. Nice to Make it a summer, right? Yeah. So nice. So nice to see you guys again. Yes. Every, yeah, day, is, every day was a holiday. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Let's get going, eh? Because we got some things to talk about. There's some stuff happening in the sport that's a little more exciting. Yes. Let's keep our let's keep our listeners here. <laughs> Along, I mean, I, I'm just going to prove how much more exciting it is. And then we'll move on. Okay. This is hockey based. So this is like the beginning of the show. Because I was beginning of the show. Um, let's see the introduction. Then I'll bring in. I'll bring in why baseball is not as exciting as hockey, and I can prove it. No, right, don't waste the time. Don't waste the time. We know. We know. No, no, no. I'm going to because okay. <laughs> okay. if I can make a point, I'm going to. I'm going to. So anyway, here we go. The date is. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> the the under was two that you would throw it up twice. <laughs> Hello, hockey world. It's Monday, February seventeenth, two thousand and twenty. I'm Michael Lagello, and of course, the Leafs lose in Buffalo. What a friggin' shock. I'm Peter Tessier, guesting from balmy Winnipeg, <laughs> and nothing ever changes, Mike. <laughs> I'm Anthony Mangione from Center Ice Philly Magazine. Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday on these in the afternoons at some point to fill you on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And uh, today, we've got a lot of companies going. But first, why hockey is better than baseball. Um, years ago, there was a season, and there was a hockey season that happened. Uh, there was a baseball season where there was a strike. And because of that, because of the strike, they split the baseball season into two halves. You remember this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The winner of the first half then would play the winner of the second half. Yeah. So a little mini playoff to determine what happened from there. And the Phillies won, I think, the first half of this year that year, if I remember right. And, and I went won the second half. Right. I went to that game at, the, at Veterans Stadium. Um, that that playoff game, that special playoff game, um, to, and they, you know, it was just, it was. I think they, they know they lost. It was like not like there was not much going on, and it was, it was, you know, but it was a playoff game. It, it was just kind of like ah, you know, it, it just wasn't all that exciting to me. But I, after that, with my mom, we got out, we, we got out, we walked across the walked across the street to the Spectrum, and watched a Flyers preseason game. No, Flyers or right early season game, not preseason game, early season game for the Flyers, and that was the game. That was the excitement was unbelievable. The building was hopping, and that was the game where Ilka Sinisalo scored his first goal ever on a penalty shot. <laughs> was the first player I think to get his first goal ever in the NHL on a penalty shot. That was the same day. That was incredibly exciting because penalty shots back then you had to really kill someone to get a penalty shot. And uh, and I, so I got to witness playoff baseball 
and early season hockey. Hold on. You, right. you witnessed the greatest anomaly in playoff baseball in Major League history. Right. So there is an asterisk there. But that is the point of baseball. Like, Baseball is all about anomalies. Like, this is the first time everyone's ever pitched with two red socks or whatever. You know, this no. is like completely. Baseball is baseball is based on tension. That's what it is. It's not it's not an instant gratification sport. It's something right. that builds over time. That's why it's 162 games. You get to a playoff and one pitch can screw up an entire season. It's different. It's different. I know it's different, but let's let's uh speaking of things that build over time, the hockey podcast is beginning. Um, let's, <laughs> okay. let's yeah. with that. And let's start today with um the New Jersey Devils, who are um, being by interim GM uh, Tom Fitzgerald, who has we've talked a lot about Fitzgerald's uh, issues with um, owner Josh over there, who is a uh, you know part owner owner of the 76ers as well and down here, and and uh, how you know he's wanted to make trades. He's wanted to trade. I mean, all that's funny. The real crazy thing about this trade deadline is I've got 22 guys on the rumor chart right now. Uh, the same people that other people are talking about mainly. You know, a couple a couple that are kind of unique or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and none of the players that have been traded so far have been on the rumor chart at all. Like we're talking about players who are completely off. Like Blake Coleman, I was about to put on the rumor chart because it was starting to hear stuff about him, but no. Um, Andy Green, no. Uh, it's just it, it just kind of blows your mind. So what we're seeing is a lot of people being, you know, a lot of creativity. But Tom Fitzgerald, who was having all these issues, and you know, people really gave him a really small chance of returning to to New Jersey next year because of that, because he's like the owners and all this stuff has really yesterday kind of hit the ball out of the park with two really interesting trades. Well, let, let me just start it off and then we can go around the horn here. Let's go with the Andy Green trade first. Right. Well, because uh, Funky Funky in the chat is ripping on Russ. <laughs> Russ said that Andy Green wouldn't be traded. It was a specific. Remember, this was a very very specific. He doesn't have to move his family. He's going right. to the Islanders. He's going to lose. So. And honestly, I have to give Tom Fitzgerald credit for both of these deals because he got a king's ransom in both of them. Getting a second-round pick in Quenville for a 37-year-old Andy Green who looks like he's about ready to retire, I, I, I do that every day, including Sunday. And I thought, you know, Coleman has got a great contract, $1.8 bucks. He's scored over 20 goals. But you get Nolan Foote and a number one, that, that's a great deal. So I, I think Fitzgerald did great. Let's one at a time. Let's start with the Andy Green trade because you're right, Mike, that you actually have um, here a very specific situation and the kind of trade that, you know, I hope we still see in the future when guys like Lou Lamorello aren't in the league because this is the kind of trade. This is a non-analytics trade. This is a, this is a straight up. I know who Andy Green is. Lou said, I know our, our, our young defenders will benefit from having Andy Green around. I know that we need a captain type guy force on our defense. And I know that this will help us in the playoffs. This is like, so you're not, yeah, you're, you're all the, Typical stuff of Andy Green being not that great, kind of older, slower a little bit. But he brings so many intangibles, kind of like you know, like a like a Luke Richardson did to the Flyers years ago or something like that. We bring a guy in who's just like sort of has had his better days, but really brings so many intangibles that you can't you can't deny it. And this this I honestly think is a great trade for both teams. I really do. Like I know that I know the Islanders gave up. The Islanders fans hate giving up draft picks. This is this is a fan base that just because they've had bad experiences with giving up draft picks. Hates giving up draft picks, but honestly, in the playoffs, this guy will matter. Uh, you, we will see a difference. I think, you, you, at least, you might. You know, and well, unless and, they get scoring, it's not going to matter a hill of beans. Yeah, I'll, he's, he's Matt Hendricks 
think that's no, all, that's what this is. No, 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 he's, he's a captain. He's an NHL captain. He's he's serious. serious. Would, he's a hole plugger. Is what he is. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he he plugs a hole that the Islanders didn't have. Like a they, when they lost Pelic at the end of the day, they they needed a stabilizing presence, and for right. them in this moment, they needed that this it. They needed this. This was a necessity. Now they also, as we stated, if they don't get scoring, it's not gonna. It, it won't matter much. But they needed, at the very least, to stabilize their blue line in order to stabilize their positioning for the playoffs. Yeah. So in that respect, as a now deal, perfectly fine with it, mm-hmm. uh, because again, as as Eck mentioned, this, he he is a stabilizing force. He will calm that blue line down. Um, and that, in that respect, I, I agree with the deal. That being said, it was the return of premium. Absolutely. That yeah, was premium right. paid for him. And that this, this, that's also very typical of Lou Lamorello, who doesn't like to take, to, to, to take advantage of players. Like this is a young GM who Lou likes in Fitzgerald. Like he's a, he's a Lou and Tom Fitzgerald know, are, are buddies. They know each other. So right. he wants Tom to succeed. He wants Tom to like, you know, he wants to, he wants Tom to come out of this looking good. Um, and all of that plays into the like the way Lou works. Oh, yeah, I mean, it. Lou did not give Tom the best possible deal. He did not because the best possible deal would have been a 2021 second round pick, and he didn't do that because yeah. he probably went through his scouting staff and he probably said, "Hey, give me an idea who we could take this year in the second round. Give me an idea who we could take next year in the second round." And they probably said, "You can get a lot better player this year in the second round." So they push that to next year. Now, I will tell you, Andy Green does play averages over 20 minutes a game for the Devils, and that's a big deal. And he has a little bit of offense left. Anything he gets, he gets at even strength. So I think that it's still a really good trade. But I'm just telling you, that's the little part where Lou said, yeah, we'll make this a 2021, and that's where it's not a home run. That's what's fascinating about this, because you're right. You're right, because most people out there, okay, you know, the the diehard hockey fans who know the difference in the drafts like you – I mean, not like I mean, not, you're not a diehard hockey fan, but the people and the people like you, um, but in the diehard draft guys are all going to say, yeah, this that was that was kind of crafty by Lou to do that to make that change. The the fans of the Devils are not looking at it like what year it doesn't matter. Like they they to them they see as a second round pick, the second round pick, the second round pick. You know, and and most and they don't see okay, well I'm sure you know maybe they're you know even think the Devils didn't have a second round pick. They don't even know why that was a different year than this or next year. To them, it's just like they got a second round pick for Andy Green. He might be retired by the time they make that pick. And it's an asset at the end of the day where they could potentially use that to get an asset in 2020. Right. And they got a body. They did get a body in David Quenville, and that's something where the Devils need bodies. Like they need bodies. How many Quenvilles now do the Devils have? Is it two? How many? I'm trying to think. Quen, those are two. Oh, how many Quenvilles? They John. I think they. I think John, John, John. Yeah, they drafted John. Jay drafted yeah. John. Okay. Yeah. Then he went to Chicago. And, and then he went, they left. Yeah, he left. Right. I was trying to remember. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. So they got a body too. And that's the big thing with the Devils is with these trades, they need actual bodies more than they need draft picks. If they can get both, then it's fine. Well, th- this is the thing I think we should carry out of, out of this particular trade because it, it's not – above Lou to basically screw up the trade market. And I think he did in a way because he pays a second round pick, even though it's 2021 for Andy green. So now 
What do you think people are going to be at going like? What do you think Ottawa is going to be asking for for Ron Hainsey or Dylan Demello? What do you think? I don't think I don't think this would. I, I think no, that I, I I really do. Like, I think it yeah. maybe not a second round pick, but I think for marginal five six defensemen, teams are going to be asking for yeah. high, a pit a round higher than they probably would have because because Lou gave up a second round pick. It's like the Kimo Tiemann deal. They gave up two seconds mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot again for a team. Let's say like. The Flyers, for example, who if they were looking for defensive depth, right? The the cost now to just add a, 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 a maybe a defenseman might be considered somewhat of an upgrade. There is right. going to be cost prohibitive at this point. I think the Flyers are probably out of the defenseman market. I think now potentially. Yeah, I mean they could add. I, I saw Christian Follins available. They could add him back, but they can't add much better than that. And Peter, I think oh, that's, I'm, I'm giving you a name. I know. Peter, I think that's a factor for the Jets because we know you know if this. Bufflin mutual termination ends up happening before the deadline, which I don't know if it's going to or not. But now, now that Brian Little is on LTIR for the rest of the year, Shovel Dayoff does have cap space to make a move, but now it's going to cost them a little more than they would thought for for a defenseman to come in. Yeah, um, I, I I think um, I don't think Kevin Shovel Dayoff is making a move to to better his team in any realistic sense at the trade deadline for the long term. I think it's a lot of talk because okay. they want to keep people's hopes alive, um, you know, and stuff that like, hey, we're serious if the opportunity presents it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I, it, there, there's no logical sense. The worst thing that could happen is, is they expend money, take on salary, you know, expend a re- an asset, take on salary, and then finish ninth or 10th, which is just as likely than anything else right now. And then you're sitting in no man's land in the draft zone, right? right? You, you, you're better to finish 14th and sell off some of the things for some fourth or fifth round picks right now, because you've got nothing going on. Like, you know, there's guys, teams will want, you can get some picks for them. You might as well do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I, to me, the, the, the fascinating thing, I, I don't necessarily agree with you, Mike. I, I usually do, but actually I don't ever agree with you, Mike. <laughs> you don't. I, I usually agree with what the logic you're making here. Um, and that logic being that, you know, I usually do get the point that you are saying that, um, that you know, set the early trades set the bar. Yeah, they set market rates. But this this is such a specific trade, okay? This is such a specific thing. Andy Green would only go there. Like you said in the beginning yourself. Right. Yeah, he wasn't going there. Him only going there and well, West Coast or anything like that. NHL general managers won't care about that. They care about well because they care about leverage. Supply and demand world. No matter how you slice it, it's a supply and demand world. And there's only so many teams looking for defensemen, and there's only so many defensemen out there. So, yeah, one of those teams. You could say it brings up the price because the Islanders now have a defenseman. They don't get into them. Build it. it Brings up the price because that's what the Islanders actually brings the price down. There are not that many defensemen out there. That's what it is. It actually brings the price down because the Islanders now aren't looking for a defenseman. So that that now your supply has gotten. Your, your demand has gotten less, which brings the price okay. down. Okay, let's agree. But it's, but it's hard to say really where this is going to go, but I don't think – I think that pe- and people know Lou Amarillo well enough, and people are all just, like, saying the same thing, that this is uh, this is something he had to do, and that, that is what he was going to do. And, uh, let's, so let's agree to disagree on that and then t- and talk about the Coleman deal because this, this, Bob McKenzie mentioned this uh, this afternoon, and I, I it was basically what I was, what I was thinking. Because Coleman, the benefit to this deal, they paid a – a hefty price. Nolan Foote's a really good prospect. They gave up Vancouver's number one in this deal, but Coleman is got another year at a million eight. And Russ 
and Anthony, when we're in Montreal, get prepared for Tyler Johnson or Palat or Kalorn or Yanni yeah. Gord to be traded because they need to clear space to sign some of their other guys. And now yeah. we've got Coleman, who can play center or play wing, up the middle at 1.8 as a number three center next year. So bye-bye Tyler or bye-bye Palat because that's going to happen. But you know what? That's what we were saying last year. I know. And and and, and guess who stepped up to the plate? And yeah. Jim Benning. And Jim, yeah. just just remember the outrage that was going on from the Vancouver folks around that deal. We were sitting next to each other. You're like, oh my god. Yeah. And Jim Benning comes in, not understanding how to weaponize cap space, and does Tampa a favor that is now doubled. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it's mind blowing. No, I know this was such a friggin' great move by Tampa, and um, and, and another trade. I think I th okay, they gave up a lot, but first round draft picks for Tampa right now. And you have all that kind of depth. The high end second base. They hit two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they. They can do it. I mean, they can they can make that trade. Forgetting a guy who's like like you said, like when you draft a player, you draft a player who's on his who's on his rookie contract for three years, and then you don't know what he's going to become. Like, you don't know if he's going to be, like, a $5 million player, a $10 million player, or a $2 million. They got they got somebody here that kind of know what he is in Coleman. He's a really good player, yeah. um, and his, his price is going to go up for sure. But you're right. I mean, in terms of that, he's definitely, like, I mean, he's a second-line center on most teams. He's a third-line center on Tampa. Um, but, you know, he's, and he can also step up when someone gets hurt. Like, and we've seen that. Could you draws Tampa? They get to bring him out to wing, and he's going to be uh, uh, even more yeah. untethered off. At that point, when you're playing on the wing, he's going to be more untethered offensively where he doesn't have to, you know, defensive responsibilities aren't quite as strong as when you're at the pivot position. But there's a reason why the guy's a 20 goal score, you know, tw has been 20 goal score last year. And this is, this is going to be a, re this is going to be a reality over the next seven days because, and we, yeah, you and I, and, and, and Eric and Russ were going, going back and forth on, uh, on, on text message because mm -hmm. from TVA sports, who's normally very accurate and good mm -hmm. comes out and says Coleman to Colorado. And then 15 minutes later, the devils came out and said, uh, no, it wasn't just him either. I mean, because I, I, I was trying to you. Yeah, correct. There were several on that. And, but Renault's out there. He did. Again, Renault, I mean, Colorado. I talked to people in Colorado. They did think they had a deal. Yeah. It's got to be coming from Colorado because, again, yeah, he wouldn't have stuck his neck out like that. And exactly. That happens. That's the risk of this. And again, you know, is I mean, it reminds me of the Ginla trade years ago that happened. That everybody was like, where is he going? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're not quite at like the Lindros level of trades, but you know, <laughs> in the early days. But this was like somebody did think they made a deal here. You're not going to see anything get you know crazy. But well, yeah, that was um, you know, when I talked, the first thing I said when I was I was talking to a source about like I hear Blake Coleman's out there before I even knew anything about where he was going to go. First response I got back from a GM was like, I don't know why you would trade him if you're in New Jersey. That was the first response. He's you know he's like he's you know he's making not a lot of money. He's scoring points. He's young. He's tied up. In a contract, um, why why move him? And that's a big question I want to ask people. Why do you move him? Like why? I mean, well, you got a lot more. because why? your season's done, yeah. and you've got to reset some more. Having more ammunition in this this draft is better for you yeah. to get your age gap down. Even though Coleman's young, it help the draft picks will help keep your age gap together with with who you want. Like, but don't you want a little bit of everything in your age gap, though? I mean, you want, you want to have like you want to have some guys on rookie contracts, some guys on you know, he's like in the mid contract guys. Like, yeah, right. Right. But, but the problem. return was so good. I mean, Russ, 
Nolan Foot is a premium prospect. Yeah, there's no question. He could be a second line guy. He's big. His speed will get a little better. He's strong yeah. on the boards. He's smart. He he will score probably 20 or 25 goals at the NHL level. I mean, I, I love the trade from New Jersey standpoint from that. Coleman, if they give him a raise, they don't get to keep Vatman. So if they're really trying to keep Vatman, that's why they didn't keep Coleman. And Vatman's hurt right now, so I don't know whether the Devils are going to – That's a big issue with Vatman because they really – they're trying to get him back. Obviously, they want it. They want it. Um, but the question is, you know, that the ownership there never wanted to trade him in the first place. So I think that this there's a lot of mixed things going on there. But I know teams out there are definitely interested in Vatnin and um, and wondering what the heck's going on. And, and the Devils are being very, very close to the best. Well, I guess they're trying to extend them. That's what we heard. Well, they're trying to extend them still. And Ken Smith in the chat asks whether you know Subban gets traded next. I, I you know, I don't think so. At least not right now. I think that's a summer deal. But I, I, I actually think that the the Coleman deal is an indicator that you know. I know that we brought it up a couple months ago. Everybody's well, they're going to keep Subban because his value is low. I don't think so. I, I think that they, you know, they might have to shave some money off of that nine million dollar salary, but I think there'll be teams interested in thinking that they could Subban can bounce back. And I don't think he wants to stay in New Jersey. So oh, I, I don't try. Yeah. Why would you? Yeah, stay I don't back? know about that, Mike. I'm not going to say. Yeah, he seems okay. comfortable there when I saw him in the locker room. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. I, I, but I'll say this: yesterday there were definitely. I've heard teams, okay. Definitely three or four teams I talked to yesterday who had received calls from the Devils about this about like about okay like you know are you interested in pk suban we will you know they'll pay they're they'll take half the salary i've heard that's something they'll do um they're they're building up all these draft picks i wouldn't be surprised if one of them ends up in that deal to try to help get the money out you know there's 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 ways of doing that um and one of those teams i know a team that was interested in him at the draft deck i know i mean the leafs have definitely had just got that was one of the teams they called yesterday now i didn't get any impression that the leafs had any or got back from or whatever i don't know know that i just know that they called on them and i know another one of those teams they called on would be the winnipeg jets peter yes and um what are your thoughts on that sure pk you know what with (laughs) 7.6 million dollars in cap space coming off the books i think there's totally a deal there to be made to be made yeah i just don't know what it i just don't know what it would do I mean on paper it makes sense? I mean, I, there's been no rumblings right. out of Winnipeg that this is something that's even in the wheelhouse. I mean, you know, the first question you know you'd have to wonder is is what would Paul Maurice do to PK Subban that's going to make him any better? And that's right. that's the first thing you have to ask because the way Maurice runs his offense, it and his transition game with his defense, it could be just throwing money into the wind and hoping it works. The the bigger issue there is, is the fact that he's a true right side defenseman and the jets basically have none. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just enough that it's going to make an improvement anyways. And, you know, he has how many more years? Two more after this year at nine for the season. So it's an affordability. Like the the other thing with Jess is, there is a small rumor out there right now that depending on what happens with Brian Little's off-season surgery, because he's got to have another more surgery done on his eardrum, mm-hmm. that this could be he, he might retire. Right. Like it might be, or <laughs> he's 
permanently injured reserve for the right. remainder of its contract right. because there's a, there's a little there's literally a long term health thing going on with this right it's an it's an imbalance issue yeah right? and 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 right. hearing and it, it's a complicated situation so that's, that's why that's, it's shut down for the rest of the season right but you get rid of buff you get rid of little and you know who else comes off the books kulikov that's literally 18 million dollars yeah. right yeah. there Right. I, you know what? I'm not going to just assume Subban's gone because if, if Subban's gone, if they do something like that, then the Devils are looking at another three years until they can actually compete. I think they're I'm looking at the owner one. I think they're looking at that either way. I don't know about that, Mike. I don't think they're going to be competitive in the two years that Subban is there. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because Hughes will keep getting better. Oh, so no, already getting better. Right. Here is is probably going to get a little better. You can't. Just strip the whole blue line. They only have Ty Smith coming. It's not like they have a lot of guys coming. Sure. So if you anybody you draft this year is going to take three to five years. True. So they're going to be at least three years. I'm not sure that's what the owner is looking for. I think they're going to build around the young guys, but they can't get rid of everybody. They can't. Now, Ak, uh, just some injury update news, and that might factor into uh, some rumor that you might want to talk about. Um, uh, a reporter from uh, who covers the Avalanche said that Philip Grubauer lower body injury uh, does not have a definitive return timeline described as day to day, but could miss some time with a week to go before the deadline. They're looking for goalie help. No, they are. They are. They already were before this happened, you know? Um, sure. So to me, this is, this has got to be, you know, they're in, in a lot of the same boat that Toronto was in before, you know, where they had to sit back and they were like, you know, we're, we are losing games because of our goalies and that team should be winning that division running away. Like well, they really should be. And the fact that they're not, and the really interesting thing about that, I want to see. Uh, this is something I want to show you guys. I, someone just pointed this out to me, and I thought this was kind of crazy. I'm going to bring it up on the screen well, here. Well, so, while, you're bringing, while you're bringing it up, the advantage that Sackett has over Dubas is that they have the most cap space left. Right. A guy like Craig Anderson who right. is playing really well with Ottawa, that would make a lot of sense because – He's been to Colorado before, and he's the the money. The four point seven five million dollar cap hit is not a factor. I, I mean, it, I could, it could be somebody else. It could be Jimmy Howard, like somebody mentioned in the chat. Uh, it could right. be somebody else, but I think those make sense. Okay, I want to show you guys this. So, um, this is obviously just the standings. You've seen, you've seen this before, but the um the one of the things that's fascinating to me on here is the you know you look at where you look at the you know the Avalanche here is sitting there with uh you know seventy two points. They're just two points behind. They've got two games at hand. They should be able to catch this, right? But the big numbers, and you go over to the right here, yeah. you look at the goal differentials. Yeah, 43. You know, plus yeah. 43. Yeah. If you're plus 43 and you're in third place in your division, um, that's just that's just crazy. And, you know, and so, I, so I went to somebody, and I talked to them. I'm like, okay, this goal's against 160. That's good. That's a good number. Maybe their goalies aren't being the problem, right? You know, I mean, 160 is pretty solid. Um, but, but then what I – is okay. That, that, it, what's holding them? And you're looking at their home record. There, it's fifteen nine and four, which is right. Kind of, kind of you know, better road. Right. They're, they're a better road team. That's what's sort of holding them there. Right. For sure. Well, and, and you know, so when you look at this, when I asked him about this, you know, one of my good friends who's been covering this team forever, he said the thing about this number, this plus forty three, is that they have enough offense to kill teams, and they have killed some teams. Mm -hmm. But there's also some situations where they have just gotten not a lot of goals given up, but a bad goal given up at the wrong time to keep their record down. And that that's why, you know, they, they really have to sit back and say, okay, you know, we're going to be in the playoffs. Those, you can't, you can't afford any of those bad goals. You get those bad goals in the playoffs, you're done. Well, the, the injury is a convenient excuse. It really the is a convenient excuse to make them look around. Now I think that though, if you are them, 
and you're looking at this as like a big window because the Western and because St. Louis now is, is slumping, they are hurting. You know, they may have lost Bowmeister for the season, probably. You know, oh, I'm pretty sure. I, yeah, I mean that that's just assumed, but you know, no one wants to say that or whatever. I hope I'm wrong, but I yeah, we all hope we're wrong, right? But at the same time, they are. They're looking at this. Okay, well, we got Dallas there and there. They're going to be tough, you know. But then the other side of it, Edmonton, Vancouver, Vegas, all that all stuff, you know. By the way, was this, was that first round draft pick the Vancouver's first round draft pick? Is that yeah? The yeah. That, that's one of the options I think. Depending, I think if Vancouver, okay. they, they did lottery, they did do something. I was yeah. 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 the twenty twenty one. They missed the playoffs. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so. To me, Colorado's got as good a shot as anyone here in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they by far are the biggest goal differential in the West. It's not even close, right? They are 30-plus ahead of the next closest team. I mean, they're, I mean, the next closest team would be St. Louis at plus 15. And, and you know, that's almost – that's 28 goals better. You know, that's doubled them. So, I mean, when you think about this whole thing, Colorado needs to get a goalie who can win in the playoffs. And the problem with Craig Anderson is that, you know, we don't know. Like, he, Craig Anderson has been very good. He's always been good. He doesn't have a huge playoff um, run behind him. Where Ryan Miller <laughs> is a different story. And I think that if I'm them, I'm looking more at Ryan Miller, which is what I heard they were looking at yesterday. Well, I mean, Ryan Miller comes in there and he becomes the guy <sighs> that you test out towards the end of the season. If he gets on a roll, you seriously consider him? He may mention call your first game in the playoffs. I, I know they're both around the same age, but Anderson has played basically like a one A one B in Ottawa, whereas Ryan Miller's played thirteen games. I mean, I was look, I was looking at his his workload in in Anaheim when there was a possibility that the Leafs were going to be trading. Yeah. And he just simply isn't playing a lot of games. So putting him in in a sort of spot starter role while Grubauer is uh, is injured, I, I don't know. I think that I think that's risky. Whereas I think Anderson can handle it because he's been a starter throughout most of his career. I mean, he handle I it very handle the time, but can he win in a playoff series? Like, is he going to be? I mean, he's, he's been the great in the playoffs before. He's I'll been say the most. The lowest price guy would be Jimmy Howard. He's got a 918 percentage in the playoffs. Yeah. And I could start with Jimmy Howard. And if I have a problem, I'll bring Grubauer in because at some point he'll be healthy again. Right. But Howard has been epically terrible, like this yeah. year. Like, and it's, you know, I mean, it's not, team is terrible. I, I, from what it's I understand, not as well, but epically bad. Like, not no, no, but from what I understand, he had a very good game last game. Jimmy Howard could still play. He needs to actually play with a real team. Right. Yeah. I think that's the lowest cost. I wouldn't give up what it would cost from for for e- either Anderson or or. Miller. I don't think it would cost a ton, really. I don't. I think it would, I don't think it would cost a ton either. I really yeah. don't. Um, Miller, it will. because because Ottawa is looking to dump salary because they're no, but they're still going to ask. Listen, Dorian's not giving up Anderson, their number one goalie, who they don't have a replacement for. No, they got Anders Nielsen and and, and Hogberg right they now. Don't, those are not real good replacements. No, they, 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 I don't know if Phil Gustafson is is the future there, but Anderson's not the future. He's thirty eight years old. It doesn't matter, but he can't give him up for a third round pick. He's going to look for more than that. Yeah, uh, well, and Colorado's Colorado's got enough assets. But the one key thing about Colorado, and then we we'll move on to something else, is that um, it does signal if they were actually in on Coleman, does that signal the severity of the Nazem Kadri injury? Because Coleman probably would have been the replacement. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. If you were fishing in those waters. I think that is concerned about Kadri. Now, now the, guy, the team that almost got Coleman, what I was told, the team that actually had the best shot at him, you know, we were all thinking Colorado, the team that came even closer than them, though they didn't think they made a deal that Colorado did, so who knows what happened there, but were the Boston Bruins. The Boston yeah. Bruins came very close to getting Blake Coleman, and that – And that's just like the move they made last year for Coyle. They got a guy with – yeah. and, and along those lines is the word from like several people I've talked to, and I texted you guys this yesterday around the league that – 
They're offering offering up David Backus and a first round pick. No, so, they will find nobody to take no that of a contract. No one. Too much term. You've got, you got one year. Is one year left? Yes. It's still for a guy who's. Yeah, I, 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 I don't agree. I mean, I, listen, it depends where you are, right? But if you're a team like if you're in New Jersey, and I know or Detroit, and I know Kevin, we dragged up with the trading season that they wouldn't bring him in. But if you're a team with young with, with a ton of young players, and you're a team in a situation, why wouldn't you look look around and say, okay, you know, Backus isn't he's, he's a good guy. He's a strong leader. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, why not have him around? Okay. Getting a first round draft pick as well, right? You only have to win one more year. That's what cost me. Around eight million dollars for this low round first round pick. It's not right. worth it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's something other, other people have been saying. Every time I say that to a GM, they say to me, this, they correct me all the time. They're like, you know, the first round in the NHL now, he's like, the second round is like the end of the first round used to be. If it's a team that needs to get to the cap floor, like next year after right. Green and Erickson and yeah. Lee and Howard and all these guys UFA leave, Detroit needs to get to the cap floor. Taking on Backus for a year and getting a first round pick might make a little bit of it's sense. A lot worse than that. I mean, I'm telling you. I mean, Backus, you know, he can't. You know, he can't play Bruins anymore. He can't play for anybody anymore. He can't play for anybody. All right, if he, and even if he can't play for anybody, you bring him in. He was on waivers. Nobody even made an offer no, for him. Of course, you're not going to put on waivers. But you, you, we're talking about like if you're getting a first round pick on top of that. Like hey. one of the things that was thrown out yesterday was mm-hmm. okay, um, Backus in a first round pick for um, Wayne Simmons. I heard this out yesterday. All right, the Devils would never do that. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Because they're going to bring Simmons back, whether he gets traded or not. And Simmons is worth more to them than Backus because Simmons could at least skate. He's not a great skater, but he could at least skate. And Simmons will come back next year for cheaper than six million dollars. They'll get him for two and a half million bucks or something. Now, Peter, I wanted I wanted to bring this up to you because I was talking to some reporters in the press box yesterday at the Leaf game in Buffalo, and they were a few people were a little bit stunned that there wasn't a claim in on Zach Bogosian, and I was like, "Are you high?" Yeah. So, why in God's name would anybody claim? Yeah, have been watching Zapagosian and other. Yeah, and, and the thing is, now he still has not reported to Rochester. He's played one game in a month. Who in their right mind is going to trade for this guy? Nobody. 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 And Zapagosian's career is effectively done. Right. It's this is going to be yeah. one of those names that we look back on from that draft class and go, wow. What an epic flame out. I mean, he was overhyped. He was rushed. He was rushed. (laughs) And his body just kept breaking down. But there's a great story on Bogosian in um, Ken Campbell's book, Selling the Game, about how he would go to Ottawa for all these training sessions when he was a kid. He His body was broken down before it had a chance to grow into itself. Yeah. Like, this is the danger that a lot of kids are going to face is that they've overworked their bodies while they're still growing. They put it on muscle mass that their frames and bone structure. And the problem is you're using the same muscles over and over again at a young age, doing other sports and exercising other parts of your body. And I've seen it with kids. I mean, and and it's not, it's not even right. It's anyone who does this, whether it's baseball or football or or even basketball, you've got to do some other things and give your body a time to take up. And you get repetitive injuries. You do. You got to play all different kinds of sports. Never like if you're, and yet the crazy thing about that is, you know, parents who have like, I've met a couple in the soccer world, the girls' soccer world. I, I, my, my daughter plays a pretty high level. Okay. And, but she's not, 
the high level, I mean, that she plays against some players that are going to, you know, that, that are going to be looked at for, you know, the Olympic team and stuff like that. I mean, really top, top level people. And I've talked to those parents of those, you know, I've had a coach to a couple of those kind of players who, you know, might get there. But, um, and those parents will tell, tell you, you know, that like there's all this stuff that goes on to get there. You got to be politicking right. You got to be in the right programs. You got to be in this thing because it's because it's so competitive. You got to be, you got to do all the summer camps because you got to do the summer camps with the right people. You know, if, if, you know, whatever, you know, Morgan's throwing a summer camp, you got to be there. I'm not saying that necessarily, but just saying like any great soccer player from the U.S. team, if you play for their, in their summer camp, you got a better shot. And um, so there's all this pressure to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And, um, and I've seen these kids like, and they take them out of high school. They don't let them play in high school because they don't want to get hurt in high school. So they play only for their travel team, which is another horrible thing to do to a kid because you remember your high school thing more than anything else. Um, but yeah, you know, you have a better chance. So yeah, it, it really uh, it makes me insane. It's, yeah. and, and what's interesting, Russ, I mean, not, I mean, Peter, sorry. What's interesting about what you're saying is that we are seeing like these incredible kids that are age 18 to 25 right now. Like they just unbelievable. Like they are well, they're, they're ready to play in the NHL right now and they come in and there's no question about it, but we I wonder what we're going to, what those kids are going to turn into when they're 30 mm -hmm. because of what they've had to do to be where they are at 20. Yeah. Now, yeah. okay. Yeah. A name that popped up and I don't know if you, if you heard it, but uh, uh, Ellie Friedman on Saturday mentioned Vincent Trocheck and that Florida was shopping Trocheck, which in my mind means that, He's not getting with the Joel Quenville system, and we've seen that over the years. Yeah. Certain players who are good players who just don't fit with Quenville. And I look, Trocheck's got eight goals. He's got thirty-two points, so he's got eight goals. He's got yeah, two more years at four point seven five. You know, that's the thing. Florida, they got that one-two punch up the middle with with Barkov and Trocheck, and now all of a sudden, are you you're going to trade Trocheck and then be have Mar Barkov as your number one and not really have an? I mean, I don't know if Borgstrom is going to step up, Russ, and be that number two guy, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know it's not working there, but I don't know if I can see them trading him unless they get a ridiculously good return. Who are you talking about? Which player again? Trocheck. Trocheck. Yeah. I don't think they're trading Trocek. He he is a very important player to that team. He definitely can be a second liner. He two years ago he was better than Huberto. So depends I, what they get for him. What I've heard from talking to people, like what if they got Josh Anderson for him? You know? No, I would never do it. I mean, that's the thing. Josh Anderson. How would I do that for Josh Anderson when Trocek's going to get 60, 65 points in the season? It depends what you think Josh Anderson's going to do. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not convinced of that. I, I. I like Josh Anderson's upside a lot. Well, and this is this is the problem with Josh Anderson. His name is Darren Ferris. No one wants to deal with him as an agent. Well, eventually they deal with everybody. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I agree. It doesn't help him, but it does. It's, 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 it's like it's enough. You're, you're gonna you're gonna have to deal with them. Right. Yeah. Right. I, don't think it's I don't think I don't think people aren't trading for him because of that. It's I think they have to deal with them. It's like Dylan I mean, they might not be trading with him because the contract he's asking for now is crazy high. But that and that, that you, you can say that Ferris plays into that, but inevitably Josh Anderson's responsible for that. You know, like he's got him himself is responsible. Why do you think Athenasiu's name is avail is floating around in, in Detroit because they don't want to sign him a new new contract because they have to deal with Darren Ferris? I mean, that's yeah. it, it's a problem. I don't think I don't I don't. I think think what I'm going to say is I, again, I, he's he's got what three goals or whatever. Three goals. He's it's a lot of hype, but not a lot of production, and he's he's a perimeter player. A lot he's of incredible speed, but. Beyond that, you could t he's an e he's a guy who can be easily taken out of his game. Yeah, that's I think that's the bigger issue with him right now. And um, 
Yeah, here we go. Ken Smith in the chat. Trocheck for Gostaspear. I mean, look, in in, the, in some sense, it makes a little sense only sure. because Trocheck had 75 points a couple years ago. The Flyers would do that in a heartbeat. If he gets 50, Florida, I, they would, yeah, I think the Flyers, I, if that was available, I think they would. Yeah, I don't think Florida would do it, though. And you got to see where Ghost's knee, again, where Ghost's knee is at, which yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't even go there. I would just say if you there's a risk you bring him in there and Quenville hates him, and then now you you lost Trocheck too. Right. Although he liked Brian Campbell, and Tro- I think Gostas. He liked good. having at least one guy on that blue line who was an who who was an offensive. Campbell player. was better defensively though than Gostas. Ghost. I could see Gostas Bear matching. Uh, in that role, as you mentioned, a can yeah. Campbell role, I can easily see that. You know, if you're trading for Trocheck, you better go back and look at those three peak production years and watch a lot of film, and yeah, because and and understand what was going right there, mm-hmm. because that's your telltale, right? And right? a lot, would, a lot would say he was scoring goals in situations you know that didn't really matter. Like he was putting up points when the Panthers were you know. Not but it's also it's also he's coming off that big injury. He had an injury, yes. Yeah, and, and and he has not been the same player since. So you have to factor that in and in, do mm-hmm. now the other one that was that Peter you mentioned in our little private chat there was Dumba. Mm-hmm. Um I'm just not convinced. You know, I, I get the feeling, and maybe I'm wrong. Did they fire Boudreaux because they want to get a reevaluation on some of their players and they don't want to trade Dumba, don't want to trade Brodine? Maybe it's something like that. I think I think Boudreaux's firing, you know, from what I've been told through the grapevine, had more to do with, you know, old school versus new school coaching. And okay. just the fact that, you know, the, the trend is towards new school coaching, you know, and, and you're seeing what's happening with the Kennedy, you know, you know, I mean it's Sheldon Sheldon Keith Sheldon or Kevin Keith in um in, in Toronto and other places too. I mean John Cooper in Toronto in, in Tampa. Blah. Um but you're seeing what's happening with all these different coaches. Like that is the trend and Boudreaux is absolutely out that old out of the old school mold. It doesn't mean he wasn't pretty good at adjusting to things, and it doesn't mean that you know I don't know that Minnesota could have been any better than they were this year, honestly. With with, I hope you're hired again. No, I agree with that. The one thing I'll say after is though, after they made the trade for Donato last year, I didn't like the way Boudreaux was using him. I think he was using him better this year, so I feel like he was probably trying to change a little bit. And I do think he got the most out of this team. I mean, you couldn't yeah. get more. I think he got a lot out of him. But since we have Peter and and Anthony today, let's spend like the last you know, 15 minutes here that we have talking about Winnipeg and Philly. Um, and I want to start off with Winnipeg for a second, because Peter, they, since we've, since we've last seen you on here and since you, since, you know, you so terribly left hockeybuzz.com to pursue bigger things. Grudgingly. Yes. Um, the Winnipeg Jets have really Man. been all over the friggin' map. <laughs> all right. So they, they start off the season really like, you know, uh, very, very much like, oh, well, they're just kind of like middle of the road. Then they were just incredible. They were the best team in the league for a while. And everybody's like, oh, they're definitely going to be a factor now. They're there, there's nuts. And then they fall off the map again to where, you know, if you just, if you weren't paying attention to the Jets and you just tune on to XM and randomly you'll hear somebody say, you know, and they're like serious XM where they're talking about, you know, the Jets or whatever, you'll hear somebody randomly say, oh, the Jets are the team to beat. You'll see it randomly, the Jets are a disaster. So, like, it depends where you are. Like, where are the Jets? Tell me where you think they are. Well, the Winnipeg Jets are a team that has really no transition game outside of Nick Ehlers moving the puck up the ice by himself. And they've got really no one on the back end who can make a breakout pass quickly. So, you know, the problems that the Jets are experiencing right now are a little bit the same as how they finished the season last year for the last half of it. 
they're really not generating much in the way of offense in terms of good scoring chances and the shot volume's terrible. Like it's just, it, it's really bad. So what happens is, is you lose three, four defensemen. Mm-hmm. You, you, you just don't have the ability to replace that. That's yeah. not, that's not, um, an excuse as much as an explanation. The, the, the whole Buffalo thing is 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 weird. It, I mean, it is weird to the point of weirdness. And just to give you an example of how weird it is, my son works at um, a Cabela's, and Bufflin came in and was buying stuff for fishing and everything, and he was chatting with all the guys there. And he's you know that's the, you know he's more comfortable in a Cabela's yeah. than he is anywhere else in life, right. other than being out in the wilderness. And so one of the guys asked him, "Hey, Buff." When you when you when you think you'll get back on the ice and he looks at him, you know, it's the dead of winter, he's buying ice fishing gear, he's like, I haven't left the ice. And he just laughed and wandered off. Like that's how weird the situation is. Like it, and that's buff. So, you know, you you factor in all this the fact that all of a sudden this whole salary dispute thing with the arbitration that they wanted yeah. to go through has died up too. Something is really odd there. So you know, you don't have buff on the ice. You really take your best puck moving and physical presence off the ice 22 minutes a game. It has an effect on the team. And Paul Maurice has nothing to counter it with. He's got nothing. The problem with Maurice is that he's not the most innovative guy when it comes to things, but he's managed to keep his head above water. And what do we know about coaches who get insane goaltending? Yeah. They get contract extensions or they win the Jack Adams. Show me a good goaltender and I'll show you a good coach. Yeah, yeah right. that's exactly right. it. And Connor Hellebuck should be in most most yeah. finalists for the for the Vesna. He he has faced an ungodly amount of rubber this year, an yeah. ungodly amount of scoring chances. Without Hellebuck, this team's this team's fighting for last. I do I do have breaking news in right. eight minutes, ten minutes when this show ends. The Islanders will not have made a trade, and Thomas Boyle will be wrong on Twitter. <laughs> we guaranteed a trade for the by the time you get over there. Good job. Kind of over. Yeah. Well, we, could, we could do him a favor. We could just say like a marathon style, like taking shifts until it happens. No, he said imminent. That was imminent. the wording. Um, well, maybe. You never know. I mean, the, the one thing I'll say, the one player that seems to still be talked about a lot, you know, besides that name is just not healthy, is there's still Kyle Palmieri stuff out there, but it's got to be a big, big offer to make that happen. I would agree. Well, with see, if, if, if the Devils go down that road, then they're going to trade Subban because they're trading everybody then. They're right. trading everybody. Yeah, it really depends. It really depends how that all plays out. All right, so let's go over to the Philadelphia Flyers and uh, another team that sort of is all over the map at times, but has managed to stay in the playoffs, at least. At For least that. I mean, and so is Winnipeg. So I shouldn't say that. I mean, Winnipeg's been – they've both been in the same boat. Two huge games for the Flyers this week as they play Columbus back-to-back here, both for Columbus and the Flyers. They're basically at the same record, basically in the battle for the same spot. Um, Trey, going into the trade deadline, Anthony, what are your thoughts? Where are, where are they? I mean, I've heard so many different things. And A I, lot of different discussions. I feel for this with the Flyers especially, but I, I don't have one. It's tough right now. I think they would like to make a move. The question is whether or not they, they whether or not they can find the proper partnership. And again, you've got salaries, you've got salaries to match uh, in the deals as well. Um, I think defenseman wise, it's going to be real again. Any of the target areas, which would be a top, a, a, you know, a, somewhere like a middle six to bottom six forward, 
um, is going to be potentially uh, a, a tough area for them. I think they'd like to have that insurance for Nolan Patrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's obviously a lot of discussion with Bobby see what Patrick's status is. He's getting he's going to be getting better, but is he going to be ready to – they have to get a bearing on where he's at physically um, playing and whenever he's ready to go. He'll start in the AHL, as uh, Elaine Vigneault mentioned. Uh, if when he is ready to go, he's going to have to start in the AHL um, because again, you don't want him jumping into it into into the heat of a playoff race when you haven't even had it even remotely close to a training camp this year. Um, adding to the mix, I think they'd again they'd like to add a forward, probably a, a third line pivot. Some people mentioned maybe a wing. Uh, it's just going to be, I think it's, especially with the Coleman deal, again, a versatile forward and what that cost was that kind of, they now know that the market's going to be such for you. They're going to make pull a trigger. They're going to bite their lip when making that move. They're going to yeah. have to give up something substantive yeah. in order to make it. They are. I mean, the, the, kind of trade, the only trade I heard so far that the rumor I've heard so far that makes sense to me, because it is kind of along the lines of what they're saying, at least that they want to make a trade that's for now and for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, which everybody wants to do, obviously. Um, but, you know, teams that often get is Gossett's share for Hoffman in Florida, which I think. But Hoffman's a rental. He's a rental, but he also, but I think that they believe that he would play. The kind of team that Hoffman wants to go to is is like a Philadelphia. That's what we've heard. You know, like that he wants to be on that kind of team. And he, he does have a, I don't know, I'm, I'm a big fan of his personally. I, but I, and I also think he's like a flyer type player. I think he would be, they would, they would eat him up and Philadelphia. Again, lose after you've lost. You know, there's different type of player. The problem for Philadelphia is trying. Has been trying to figure out how to replace Oscar Lindblom and what he was giving to them at the early part of the season before right. the unfortunate. That's happened. sort of a, a story that's been brushed under the carpet, right? Like we've forgotten what the impact of what it, it's him, right? the fact he was already a really, really good defensive player. Yeah, yeah. very responsible, and the goal scoring. I mean, this was a prime. This was the prime year for him. He was exploding, and then this happened. He was on other players. You've expected more out of again as well. They should with JVR with the amount of money they're paying for him per season. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to get the defensive consciousness that you had out of, and that's what made he, he, he was the best guy along the wall. He was so amazingly good early in the season. Yeah. They, they not only could score, but they could shut other teams down. Yeah, he's such a good defensive forwards too. That that was a big yeah, thing. yeah. He's such a skilled player that plays well with skilled players too. That that was the other thing. He really just lifted up the level. I mean, the closest thing out there would be Pajot to like replacing him. And and the cost in return. Yeah, and and, and Ottawa's going to basically. We all know this. Ottawa basically can can call their shot for the best possible package. <laughs> On off the on off the post a couple weeks ago, I suggested a guy, and I think the opportunity for this is even greater now. Was a guy like Melker Carlson from San Jose? Carlson Goudreau is another one. Barkley <laughs> Goudreau, I've heard as well, is a possible name. Yeah, good good faceoff guy, two million dollars, and now San act. San Jose is going to be a player before the deadline with Carlson's $11.5 million on LTIR. They are going to become a bank for crap contracts. If Doug Wilson is smart, you know, well, rental D rental D or, uh, you know, yeah. a contract like a, like a Alex Galchenyuk who uh, Pittsburgh couldn't dump anywhere. San Jose could take that contract on for future assets and San Jose needs as many future assets as they can get. Yeah, yeah, and and they need they need draft picks huge. Yeah, this is what I was saying on Twitter to Winnipeg people is that it, with particularly now that Brian Little is out in Winnipeg, it's the same thing. They've got 
money to burn to right. take on dumping grounds. Like you, you got to find some short-term dumps for people and get a few extra draft picks. And, you know, I don't think the ownership here has the stomach for it. Right. I think they do in San Jose. I think, I think they'll see that because they, they won't get this opportunity again. This right. is, and they need it. The Jets are a little too cautious in their approach, but it's exactly what teams should be doing right now right. is use your cap space, take on a weird deal, but get a second round pick in it extra or something like that. If you can, right. depending on how large that deal is. I'll tell you what the biggest conundrum might feel like for the Flyers is while you're deciding on Nolan Patrick, who isn't even in contact yet in, in practice, you then have to decide when I send him down to Lehigh and if he were to come up, how many games do we think he could even play this season? Right. Because you're better off leaving him on LTIR if he's not going to play more than 10 games because you don't know if he'll play. This is a big week in regards to him, I think. I, this next week or so is going to be yeah. you know, when you know, when, if, when and if Philadelphia does make a move. Yeah, if it's for a pivot. You know, I think at that point. Yeah, it, well, man, that'll tell you. This is a tough spot to put Nolan Patrick into because mm -hmm. you know the Flyers are saying to him, they're like, you know, if you're not okay, we're just because the Flyers, I think, would probably all things be even, say, fine, just wait out the season. We'll use the cap space this year and make something happen because there really is no benefit at his age to bring him back the season, honestly, at all. So, but Nolan Patrick, for his mental state of things, definitely wants to get back in because it right. needs. With him sitting out the season, that really puts the pressure on next season more. And well, there is no contract for next season, right? right. And, and, and yes, yeah, so not yet. Anyhow, and, and there'll be a one-year deal for next season or something. Like and that. it's always right. a, it's always a question with an injured player: what player are you getting back when that player right. comes back? And I, you know, with with Toronto right now, Morgan Riley will be out until late March. Will he be Morgan Riley when he comes back, or will it be a, like a reasonable facsimile of one? Ilya Mikhaev has a wrist laceration uh, in late December. He's supposedly going to be back before late March, but he hasn't. He's just starting to skate now, and and what what's the strength going to be like in his in his wrist? So like things like that with these playoff teams, you don't know what player you're getting back, and that's what I think in the next seven days GMs have to factor in, and maybe that's why they make deals. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We got like before we get out of here today, we got to do it. We've been asked to, we've asked to do it. We've been talking about it. We go to tankathon.com. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's go. The NHL draft lottery simulator. Everyone's favorite random number generator. Random number generator. Here we go. <laughs> Simulating the lottery now. We come up with Chicago. Okay. Well, how is that possible if Chicago was going to make the playoffs, Eck? Eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about something about that before we do. Um, but yeah, that, that's it. Chicago, uh, that'd be you know hell. That would be massive for them, actually. That would be massive for them, and it would and because they still, I mean, they still have Kane and Taze. They're not done, you know. If you can bring in a guy who's young. Oh look, if they got Lafreniere, yeah. it would definitely help them because then they might have just enough offense to overcome some of the defensive woes. And the yeah. league would be thrilled because of the fact that at least they know that not one of their top players is going to sort of the hinterland market. Right. God forbid another one goes to Canada. Right. They go to Edmonton where, where prospects go to Speaking of Edmonton, Mike, so, thanks for my transition. I appreciate it. You knew that Edmonton, the team that was going that my Mike and I bet when Tony McDavid got hurt would just yeah, fall I'm, apart completely. I'm still waiting to collect all those cookies that you owe me. <laughs> I paid you more than your share. Um, all right. So the, um, the bottom line here is 
the uh, the Oilers are three and one. Count it, three and one since the Connor since Connor Gabriel goes out, and now they find themselves not in out of the playoffs. But they when we started this, they were in third place. Where are they now, Mike? They're in first place. In yeah, their division. Let's, we'll just wait a week. I give, I give out of the McDavid. There's two reasons for me, Eck. One is Drysaddle's playing at an MVP level, which is great for them. And Kelly Yamamoto's at a point per game, so they finally figured out how to use him, and he's healthy, and it's great to see that too. Yeah, now just a, just a couple notes here. Randy in the chat said it looks like, and I don't know if his career is over with, but there's definitely a setback with Michael Furland when he went down to. Oh, it's it's when, over. Yeah, he went down to Utica, and he, I think he played a couple shifts and got concussed again. So. I don't know. I didn't like the deal. I think Peter didn't like that deal no. either. Yeah. No, yeah, but, it's, it's been – it's bad. It, it I, really looks bad for Furland right now. On the opposite end of the spectrum, it was being talked about that Shea Weber's career is over, <laughs> and he may be back on – He's skating with the team as we speak. Yeah. He, he skated today in practice with the team. Yeah, so – I've uh, never seen so many uh, tweets from somebody to explain – the little nuances that we all didn't know about. Yeah. Here's the thing about Shea Weber. The second they said his career was going to be over, you don't. If you don't think that that's the kind of motivator for Shea Weber, oh yeah. Knowing Shea Weber as a person really well, that's all they needed to do. That's right, all Wolverine. They all they needed to be said. <laughs> and uh, you know that's how I see it. And that, <laughs> Mike, leave it alone. So. Leave it up, that and and, and and speaking of, of of you know if we're gonna go back in history to times, it was at the draft where Russ and Russ in particular, but Anthony, you 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 had some kind words about Neil Pionk, and I gotta say Neil Pionk has been a very pleasant surprise. He's doing way better and than if, if he's yeah. if if he could get his skating a little better, he's not the prettiest skater. No, but he might. He just might. Get into Truba money on his next deal. It's possible. No, anything is possible for sure. Um, <laughs> that's all we have for today, guys. Remember, folks, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you soon. Oh, you, you, let me.